Hi everyone and welcome to, I feel like I can't talk while you're coughing because I just feel Sorry. so Sorry, No, not on your part. I'm like, I don't want to just steam through while you're dying over there. No, you're good. You're good. Steam through. <laughs> I mean, is it psycho or is it just great planning? I'm like, why are we out here? Because <laughs> they, they love the game. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do not want to hit a little white golf ball around. Hi everyone, and a very warm welcome to another episode of Henny and Hallie, Women with Game. Uh, we are very excited about this episode in particular because we're going to touch on topics quite close to both of our hearts. And um, a good friend of ours, Jodie Ewart Shadoff, won, um, and she is our guest today. And speaking to her is what really sparked this initial conversation that we're going to have. Um, it was really inspiring speaking to her. And I feel like every time I heard her speak along the way, there was just little flames going off in my head, like, yeah, yeah, oh my God, yes. Um, just sort of igniting the creativity of what we were going to talk about now. So um, obviously we will get into our conversation with Jodie in a little bit, but Hallie, to kick it off, I would just love to have a conversation about success and the definition of success and particularly how that changes as you get older and go through your career. What were your sort of hopes and dreams or what did you define success as when you were younger versus now? Ooh, wow. What a great question. Um, I think when I was younger, uh, at the time, you know, when I, when I think when I was like, let's say 15, 16, when I was like full golf mode, I was mm. like, I'm going to be on the LPGA tour and mm. I want, you know, do, so, you know, you wake up at crack it on when I beat everybody to golf and be the last person to leave and just grind because you want to be on the LPGA tour. And like, and I think now for me, success outwardly is different because I, I'm no longer pursuing professional golf, but also I think success doesn't necessarily directly correlate to just straight up like accomplishments on paper anymore either. Mm. Um, because I've, there's been times in my life where, you know, everything's looking great on the outside and it looks like I'm crushing it, but I'm not like really super, super happy. So mm. I think for me, success is <clears throat> pursuing something that you're really, really passionate about and has to do with like more than just yourself. I think mm. that, you know, there are a lot of, you hear a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, professional athletes that, you know, do crush it on the golf course or court or whatnot, but they aren't happy. And it is only until they find like some bigger purpose in themselves. Um, then they're like, then they really feel fulfilled. So I think for me, success isn't just about like pure accomplishments on paper anymore, but it's about feeling fulfilled and like living, living your purpose in a way. Um, yeah, and, and feeling, you know, that like, you're waking up every day and you're making the world better in your own unique way. I mean, you don't have to be saving children in Africa, even though yeah. obviously that's incredible, but like, what can you do with your skill set to, um, you know, put smiles on people's faces and, Oh, excuse me. The dog was like, yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit. I'm leaving. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I meant it, writer. Sorry. <laughs> the dog just got up. Um, no, I, I think it has to do a lot with feeling aligned with, with your, with your, your purpose and mm. whether that's winning golf tournaments or just playing golf or, you know, talking into a microphone for golf or, you know, working at 
the grocery store. I think, you know, that's, that's at least it. That's, that's where I'm at right now at, at, at 30 years old. Yeah. 30, well, the beauty of your answer now or any answer you could give is that it's not wrong and it could all well change in six months, mm-hmm. a year, five years, um I know that my personal definition of success has I've been on such a journey with it man like just thinking about it um from similarly to you when I was younger I was like LPGA world number one like that's success the end um so that was professionally and then personally I have had an interesting journey where it's been from young a really young age I was like my definition of success I've never been interested in like handbags watches shoes whatever it was always about the house. I just mm. wanted the house. Mm. Um, and I wanted to have like a gym in it and a pool and just that's what I wanted. Um, and so professionally, obviously I played for years and then had to stop, which I found really tough and then had to like spend a lot of time deeply thinking about like, all right, what am I going to do now? And sort of fell into broadcasting and then so okay, cool. How do I figure this out? But similarly to you, I think it's sort of that if you're in alignment with yourself and your sort of higher purpose, and I've gone on many different paths within that from like must hustle, side hustle is everything, got to have 10 things on at once and do a million different things. So like now my definition of success is if I can do like the minimum and just be as much as I can, just like not be taking on a ton of projects constantly that's for me at this stage in my life um I was talking to a friend of ours who works in broadcasting and I was like I'm like a ferry right now like I just chug along slowly and that's what I want whereas like she's in full speedboat mode where it's like zoom 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 go 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 which is sort of how I was in like my mid-20s yeah. um and who knows maybe it will change again moving forwards and then So that's on the professional side. And I think for me, it's about being challenged as well. I really love continually being challenged and not getting sort of bored with what I'm doing. And then on the personal side, it's been really interesting because a few years ago, I got the house. Mm. And it was in the pandemic and it was amazing to sort of hang out at the house. I had every single thing I wanted down to like the wolf range and the sub-zero fridge freezer and like the fridge freezer, like literally everything you could ever want and within a year I absolutely hated it because my professional like I said uh goals had changed to me wanting to not do as much and just to like really slow down and be and be as present as I possibly could with my family and those two things don't align because when you have a big sort of financial what's the word responsibilities you then have to maintain that And you get caught in this cycle of like wanting more and more and more and more. And there's no way out of, I thought of it as like a hamster wheel. So I literally got to the point where after having Kaya, I was like, okay, I had all these incredible opportunities like at my feet. I was doing stuff for every network, documentaries, doing stuff for the tour, for Discovery, like work was insane. I was so wanted, had the house had the family, had the cars, like literally everything from an outside point of view that you could think like, yeah, awesome. But I was like, I don't want any of this. Like it's just making me truly miserable Mm. uh, to have to like be on this hamster wheel all the time. And it was really tough from an ego point of view actually to step off of that 
and to step away and be like, no. And it's still sometimes I find it tough when I see opportunities come up and it's like, I can't do that because I'm not in America. And I literally, obviously, I chose to come back here to the UK and like slow everything down. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's that was sort of another reason, like there's a big culture shift between America and the UK in terms of that work-life balance and it's something that Ben my husband can't get his head around because every time he emails someone about something they're like yeah great I'm going on holiday for a week or two I'll be I'll get to I'll get to you when I get back he's like why is everyone always going on holiday what are bank <laughs> holidays what is happening here and I'm like so you'll get it like yeah you'll get it. but obviously yeah. that doesn't really in America people still work while they're on holiday and like for me coming from England that was like what no. Oh my gosh. I like, I will say at last week, was it last week? And I'll say I'm kind of in the, in the mode of like the go, go, go at the moment. But mm. I will say that I have found, as I speak to you here with the <laughs> nasty case of bronchitis, <laughs> that if I don't build in breaks, I will end up like I am currently. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny cause I, well, I actually went to England, um, last week, um, or was it, was it a couple weeks ago? No, no. Week, last week. Ago. Yeah. Last week. Well, yeah. everything's funny together. <laughs> but, um, I, um, put my, I was very proud of myself because I put my, um, my out of office email mm-hmm. on and it was like, you know, if it's, and I put, I said, if it's urgent, please call or text this mother trucker texted me it was oh. not urgent wow i was like sir no <laughs> rude um, i know i know i was like unless someone is dying or which is like <laughs> very normally and I, I took my email off my phone i took slack off my phone and it, i'll be on like it was the first couple of days were difficult like my hands <laughs> i was like where's the email where's where's slack um <laughs> But it is really important to, I think, do that. And kudos to you for like reflecting on, okay, what act, what do I want actually, you know, not just like what do people, what should I want? And you know, what looks good on paper and what will make everybody else think that I'm killing it. Um, (laughs) You know, what do I actually, actually want for my life? Um, I just really distinctly remember I was in, I was at the Northern Trust and I, it's a gorgeous hotel right on the water and it was a choppy day though I don't know if you remember but it was uh, a day was cancelled because there was I think a hurricane Mm, mm -hmm. and I was in the gym and I was looking out at the river and I was like oh I could just jump in that and just sink down and then it would be over (laughs) like that would just be relief and I was like hang on a second whoa whoa, whoa. all right we need to change something and the very next week I made the calls and I was like because Ben had been saying to me he could see I was struggling and he was like we need to do something here like this you can't carry on like this and I was like yeah so literally the next week I was like okay I'm taking up on your offer we're moving to England like that's it and just made the calls because that was such a big like okay there's a problem here yeah (laughs) and in terms of like the house like we sold that dream house and moved like massively massively downsized cut our financial liabilities in half per month here in England just so that now I know like okay I work x amount of weeks per year I'm good with that I don't want to take on any more I'm happy trying to find my balance and then on weeks off like I just sort of sit in my garden and like let the 
birds and the bees go by and just yeah. hang out and and now I'm like okay cool this is like my definition of success I'm trying to figure it out and once I found my feet here and I'm sure when Kai is off to school I'm probably going to be like all right what's the next thing yeah um yeah. but I think yeah. it's okay to let that like your initial definitions completely change or for you to experience it and then be like no 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 <laughs> or sure. to you know have that fluctuate and be like all right for right now I'm just gonna not you know take on anything else like when I started the discovery uh role and I moved to the U.S. I literally had zero um sort of ambassadorships or any projects outside of that for four years because I was like I just need to focus on this because it's Mm -hmm. it was crazy at the beginning and that's that so it's sort of a big old fluctuation but I wish someone would tell you that or give you that insight when you're younger because I think you get so pent up like when I first came out on tour I remember being like I'm 20 I'm 21 I haven't even won yet oh my god I'm such a failure I said that I was going to win by the time I was 20 yeah I know. and having so much pressure I know. And I going even like what you guys will hear from what you guys will hear from Jody is that she says she told herself that it's okay if she doesn't win. And I was like, mm. wow, that's incredible to be able to tell yourself that it's okay if I don't win, because I can imagine that it took her a lot to get to that place because originally it's like, man, if I don't win, who am I? What I'm, I'm not a, you know, a successful professional golfer. And it's like, yes, you are. You're making a very nice living on the LPGA tour, traveling around the world with your friends, going to amazing places like that. You, you are incredibly, mm-hmm. incredibly successful. So I think it's, I mean, and I, and I would imagine that takes a lot of pressure off um, and then allows, allows her to win. So I think that's, that's really cool that she was able to, you know, tell herself that instead of being like, you have to win today or it's all, you know, you're not, right. you're, not you're a failure. Or spiraling into a sort of misery of, oh, you know, I've not won. It's never going to happen. She was like, it might never happen. That's cool. Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah. Just like radical acceptance of of any outcome. I think that's that's really neat. Yeah, definitely. Well, on that note, I don't want to keep giving too many tidbits away because we're very excited about this conversation with Jody. So uh, let's get into it. And I hope you guys enjoy this conversation just as much as we did. I am so happy that we are joined on this episode of the podcast by Jody Hewitt Shadoff, who uh, is in Korea right now. It's 8.30 p.m. there. I'm in London, where it's 12.30 <laughs> in the afternoon. Hallie, you're in LA, where it's 4.30 a.m. I mean, I'm the one that's getting off light, but Hallie, yeah. you and Jody are rock stars right now. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Welcome, Jody. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, we are so thrilled to have you at this moment in time in particular because you just got your first win on the LPGA. And I think the whole golf world has erupted in happiness for you because <laughs> safe to say it's been a while and everyone obviously knows how incredibly talented you are. Um I'm going to take it all the way back to when we first met at 12 years old. You and I have known each other for 20 years and we've done every single amateur level and tournament together. Um, And then you went off to the US and then I stayed in Europe. Um, But I guess, so I've known your game intimately growing up and you were always such an incredible ball striker and just had every single facet. For those people who don't know um, Jodie or her game, I will just say that on tour, in everything that anyone does professionally, 
there is people who are, I mean, on tour, you have to be good at what you do to be able to be there. But then there's other people that you watch and you walk down a range and you're like, oh, damn. And Jodie is one of those people <laughs> that when you watch her hit a ball, you're like, oh, okay, that's serious. Um, so I guess my initial question is everyone was talking about how long it had been for you playing on the LPGA without a win. How did that feel in that moment to finally just get that duck off your back? Yeah, but surreal. Like it still hasn't really set in. Like I keep waking up and thinking, man, I just dreamed that. And I'm like, oh my God, that actually happened. I think <laughs> I'd gone so long in my career, kind of, I kind of got into a point where I'd kind of accepted that maybe this was never going to happen for me. And then, you know, to I, I felt like I was really starting to trend upwards and my game was, you know, really starting to come along. And um, really just everybody in my team just helped me kind of believe that this was possible again. You know, it's just, uh, it still feels like a surreal moment, to be honest. Going into the week, did you have any inclination that it might be the week? No, like not really, because I, you know, I played nine holes on Tuesday and then nine holes in the Pro-Am and it, it's kind of hard to tell when you only played nine holes, right? So, you know, I, I've been feeling pretty decent about my game for a couple of months, but, I, it, you know, I was hitting, you know, it, it kind of having one of those moments where I was hitting the ball really well and then the next day I'd put really well, but like everything kind of came together all at once, so... You know, I was um, after that first round, I was like, wow, you know, I actually feel really confident in all aspects of my game. So, um, yeah. Jody, what were the emotions going down the stretch? Were you nervous? What was your self-talk like? Um, to be honest, no, once I got out onto the golf course, my kind of nerves and everything settled down. Um, yeah, like on Sunday morning, I was safe to say I was pretty nervous. Um you know, I had a four shot lead and, you know, by the turn I was one shot behind. So I kind of switched a little bit into a match play kind of mentality. And I've always been pretty strong at match play. So I was really just trying to take each shot at a time and just, you know, kind of just be really patient and really steady. So, um, yeah, I mean, the last hole, maybe I started to kind of feel the nerves a little bit, but I think that was more of like an excitement nerves and, yeah. you know, a fearful kind of nerves. So, yeah, mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. kind of cool to feel that again. So you're a leaderboard looker, though. You knew where you were at. I only actually only knew where I was at in the turn because they have standard bearers, right? I don't actually watch leaderboard. And it's funny because when, when I got onto the 18th green, I didn't know that Yuka Sasso was at 14 under. And I'm like, huh, okay. I'm kind of glad that I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I only really knew where Paula was just because of the um, standard bearer. But yeah, it's probably a good thing that I wasn't watching the leaderboard. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you're calling in from Korea. Um, 246 starts on the LPGA. You have been out there. You know what the LPGA life is like. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, does it, I mean, yeah. you said right before we started recording, you're, you're dealing with jet lag. I mean, how, how, how do you deal, how do you deal with jet lag over, over in Korea? Yeah. I mean, I have been awake since 4 a.m. this morning, <laughs> so it's been a long day. Um, usually I try and kind of get on to um, 
the career or wherever I'm going, the time, um, the day before. So just try and get onto the sleeping schedule the day ahead. But, um, you know, a 13-hour time difference is kind of a tough one. <laughs> right, right, um, right. And then yeah. what about the food as well? Like in Korea, I'm sure – you know, you, you're, you're really big into working out and nutrition. Have you brought, you know, your snacks, protein powder, all that stuff with you or yeah, I did, yeah, I brought all my core snacks with me? Um, I'm only here for a week, so it's easy to pack, but, um, I actually really love Korea and Korean food. So it's, it's really great here. I definitely could live here if I had to. So, yeah. It's kind of crazy for me to hear that you felt at one point that you just resigned yourself to the fact that it, had, it would never happen. At what point did that happen? I guess talk me through a little bit about your journey on the LPGA Tour emotionally and mentally to this win. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been out here for 11 years and considered a vet now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, and the, the tour now um, compared to where it was when I first came on tour, the standard of golf is just incredible. Like these girls that are coming out from, you know, college and the Q series, there's just the standard of women's golf right now is just unbelievable. And it, it just, it's kind of pushed me, especially in recent years to work harder and just kind of pinpoint the weaknesses that I have in my game and kind of focus on those. Um, so I'd say that is the big thing especially over the last couple of years um, I, have, I have you know been up and down with injuries and stuff and I think that's probably you know been hard for me in my career, um, mentally um, it's so hard to win out here now you know there's just the standard of golf is just so great um, I think that's one of the biggest things you know I've learned you know over the weekend was that I I you know, kind of, I went into the day saying, you know, I don't have to win today, but I'm going to learn something about myself either way, you know, so it was pretty cool. And what was that? Was that a, um, I guess, conscious turnaround in thought process for you? Um, yeah, I think, I think everybody, well, everybody in the golf world, I think, you know, who's played professional golf is um, guilty of kind of, you know, assigning or let, having their self-worth be dictated by the scores and performance on the golf course. And I think over the past maybe six to nine months, I've kind of gone over that hump and I don't know whether maybe it's a little bit of age or you know I've just been doing a lot of work with my my coach and my um, mental coach and it's just you know I just felt really calm going into Sunday and kind of thought you know I I don't have to win today um you know and it's uh, I think that's definitely helped me and I think um it's going to help me moving forward for sure nice point there Jody because uh Henny and I talk about that a lot about how golf and just really anything that you're that you're pursuing professionally it is really really difficult to take something that you spend maybe 99% of your time put blood sweat and tears into mm-hmm. and not have it be like you know 99% of your self worth like you are right. so much more than just Jody yeah. the golfer how were you um what kind of stuff did you work on with your mental coach to sort of change that perspective? 
Yeah, I mean, just that, like, I'm so much more than Jody the golfer, and I have so many people around me that love me for the person that I am. And, you know, the life that I have, it's just, it isn't dictated by how I play golf or my performance on the golf course. And I think, you know, above everything, like, thinking that way has really helped um, my, like, anxiety over, you know, like, I used to go out there and think I have to play well today, you know, and I, I, you don't have to go play well. You just, you know, as long as you're learning something about yourself and you're able to, you know, move on to the next week and, you know, put it into practice and stuff like that. I think it's just um, the biggest thing. Um, yeah. I think that's, you know, to Hallie's point, it's really interesting hearing you say that because something that we talk about on the podcast a lot, with most people that come on as sort of stepping, separating yourself. Are there any tools specifically that you use in terms of I've taken up this hobby or I've started doing this differently? No, I don't No, I don't think so. I, I really don't have much time for <laughs> extra stuff in my life. Um, I, you know, obviously I have uh, two dogs that I um, love to death. They're like my children. And... Um, I just, you know, I just kind of appreciate what I have. I mean, the life that I have and the life that we have on the LPGA is pretty cool. So I think I've, you know, it's taken me 10, 11 years to realize that. <laughs> Got there and eventually though. Better late than never. And it's pretty yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. What's been your reaction to everyone's response? Because as I said earlier, that was like unreal. Everyone was so happy for you. Yeah, I, honestly, it's just been really cool to see. I mean, when I finally got to my phone on Sunday night, I was like, I had like 200 messages. And then when I opened Instagram, it was like, I was like really overwhelmed. Um, you know, I've had so many messages from all over the world and it's just been, you know, it's really cool. I'm just really grateful for all the support, really. I didn't think I was that popular. <laughs> You're very popular, Jody. How did you how did you celebrate your win? Well, I had a seven o'clock flight the next morning, so that wasn't um, that wasn't too fun. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we just uh, we went out for a nice dinner, and yeah, it's been it's been a busy last seven days. But um, yeah, just fine. I think the last two or three days are finally just kind of set in, and I've like been able to really enjoy it. So. Mm. I know you said that the win still feels surreal, but yeah. has it altered your mindset at all in looking forward now for the rest of your career on the LPG? I think above everything, it's I've kind of proven to myself that I can do it. Um, you know, I'd lost hope for a while there um, during the middle of my career. And I think I think the winning for the first time is the hardest one. And I think, you know, I've kind of gotten over that hump. I think well, hopefully it'll become a little bit easier. But now that I know that I can do it and I know that I can play under those kind of nerves, I, I think that's what had scared me the most over the past 10 years is that um, just playing under that kind of pressure kind of be had become really overwhelming for me. And I think, now that I know that I can do it, it's just, um, it should, should really help moving forward, I hope. <laughs> Absolutely. I have no doubt. Jody, I want to go back to just life on the LPGA. Obviously, 
you know, you've talked about the changes in your mental game and how that's helped you, um, you know, go on to eventually win. But what are some other things that you've, um, that you've learned just like, oh, people don't tell you about X, Y, Z when you're, when you, um, when you're playing on the LPGA, when it comes to travel or time management, like what has been the, um, I guess over the years, what's something else that you're like, oh, I'm just so much better at this now, um, when I initially came on tour. Yeah, I think, you know, you say time management, I think it's probably the biggest thing for me, especially, you know, when you come from college and you, you know, you spent half the day in school and, you know, two or three hours practicing and then you turn professional and you think you have to spend all day on the range and practicing and playing golf. And, you know, for the first couple of years, that was really hard for me. I just kind of ran myself into the ground. And now that I'm much older, I am able to know how my body responds to travel and to you know maybe playing three or four weeks in a row it's just um become a lot easier you know I don't practice as much I make sure the quality of my practice is really good but I don't need to spend five six hours a day at the golf course it's just it's never going to work for me it's never going to work for my body it's you know and mentally you know I'm just going to end up burnt out so I think um you know, I've, I've become, especially over the last couple of years, a lot better at just uh, managing my time. So I think um, that's really helped. Um, mm. And I don't think, you know, people really prepare you for the amount of travel that we do. It's, it's really quite crazy. Um, and, you know, we spent all week for three or four weeks in a row in a hotel as well and or in an Airbnb or um you know so you it it can kind of hard you get homesick quite a lot um but you know I kind of love what we do and I think um I kind of gotten it down of you know through 11 years (laughs) yeah it's it's just so interesting hearing you speak because the first part of your story up to the win is a very common story the win part overcoming all of that and actually getting the victory is the part that is uncommon in terms but in terms of what advice you'd give to other young people coming up through the game because I'm sure there's a ton of people out there who are going through similar things coming through college turning professional not quite knowing what to do I mean I was there definitely I remember seeing like the quality of grass and the ranges and like the amount of balls that were available to hit and I'm like oh this is amazing I've got to like turn the dial up now because now I'm professional um and I think like I said so many people have been there so what would be your advice to to young people coming up through the game now um yeah I think um it's obviously it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of travel, but the rewards from doing what we do are just, um, you know, it, it just is, it's just an incredible job that we get to do. And I think um, you learn a lot and I think just, you know, kind of um, pushing through it, pushing through the hard times is um, probably the biggest thing for me. Um, and I think, Actually, one of the, you know, when I'm a relatively shy person, I think, you know, the first few years that I was on tour, I didn't ask questions enough. And I think had I known, I probably would have asked a lot of questions to the people that have been on tour um, for a lot longer. And I think I probably would have learned more quicker. Um, so, yeah. 
have uh, have um, any of the uh, rookies out there come to you and ask any questions? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I play obviously a lot with rookies here and there, you know, um, so I kind of get asked questions about, um, you know, my, you know, time on tour and um, I try to be as honest as I can without scaring people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, um, you know, the girls that are out here now, they're just so great and they have so much talent. And I think, um, I think college now, you know, women's golf in college is doing a really good job of preparing the girls for um, what the what they're getting into. So I think, you know, the standard of golf in general, not just on the LPGA, but, you know, through amateur and college golf is just so strong right now that I think, you know, they're, they're just doing a really good job of um, preparing them for what's to come. It, I'm curious just uh, finally about to Hallie's questions on life on tour the environment out on tour and is it an open place where you can ask questions and everyone's quite supportive of each other like what tell us a little bit about what it's like uh, between yeah. the peers yeah absolutely I mean it's kind of like one big family <laughs> that like travel together and obviously you know we there's you know ups and downs within that but I think you know everybody's relatively close and um you know from my experience you know the, the girls that join the tour and the rookies and the younger players are all fit in really well and um I think you know it's our job as vets to really welcome them in and uh, make them feel really comfortable because you know we know as well as anybody what they're going through at that point so yeah yeah, well, it's fascinating to hear. Thank you so much for your time. We're going to let you go because we don't want to get too late out there. <laughs> um, but thank you for joining us. A huge, huge, huge congratulations on thank your you. win. Honestly, it's so good to see. Um, and very, very excited to see now what's next for you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jody. Thank uh, you. Get, get some rest. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Love, love, Jody. Really appreciate her calling in from Korea. I'm in LA. Henny is in London. We are truly a worldwide podcast. Yeah, we are. No, that was so good of her. And, you know, another thing for people to know about Jodie is she's super down to earth. And I think one of the reasons that um, you sort of can't say this to someone because it's a bit awkward, but like the reason that her sort of uh, win garnered this outpouring of congratulations is because she is such a popular person and player on the LPGA tour and she is someone that players would go to and talk to and she is like I said just one of the friendliest nicest chill people out there so um a very well-deserved victory and well-deserved adulation from everyone in the world of golf um And, you know, it's interesting what you were saying before uh, we ran in the interview of Jody about sort of that acceptance and that mind shift switch that she was mentioning. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point about, you know, her being in Korea, you in L.A., me in London, traveling is so key, I think, to just building your um, worldview, right, on how life is for everyone. Not, I think it's so easy to get caught in our little bubbles of you know, our immediate circle or our immediate country. Um, And I really feel like 
travel just opens that all up. And it's really nice that both the PGA Tours and the LPGA Tours are over it or were for the PGA Tour now for LPGA over in the Far East because it brings back fun memories of traveling there in my playing days. Ooh, and- I want to hear one. Okay, so I have one serious one and one not so serious one. Okay. So the life lesson one was when, uh, I may have mentioned this before, actually, on the podcast many episodes ago, but it's one that really stuck with me and worth mentioning again, is I was in India and I had a tournament in Dubai the next week and I had just broken up with a boyfriend and I just missed the cut, just playing really shit and I was just feeling sorry for myself. (laughs) And I got in the taxi on the way to the airport to Dubai and I'm just in such a grump and the guy who's driving uh, just couldn't have been friendlier or nicer and he was like oh um kept wanting to talk and I had my headphones in and I'm that person like even on a good day I just don't want to talk while I'm traveling because traveling is my sacred music playlist time but he keeps chatting and I'm like okay fine like I'm just gonna talk and uh he's like you know what's up what's wrong and I was like oh I just missed the cut like I'm playing really bad and he's like oh wow you're a professional golfer you get to travel the world you're from England that's insane He's like, I don't get to see my family for like three months at a time. I have to send them back all my money and then I eventually go to see them. And I was like, oh. And then he goes, do you have a husband? And I was like, no, I just woke up with my boyfriend. That's just sort of adding to my whole da-da. He's like, wait, you're free and single. You're a professional golfer. You get to travel the world and do what you love. Am I getting this right? And I'm like, yeah. Now I just feel, <laughs> now I feel bad for feeling bad but it was just such a like a moment of mindset shift and perspective and he was so happy and he had it tough and he was working insanely hard for his family who he wasn't able to see for months on end and I had it insanely easy and was traveling around the world and I just always try and like that stuck with me and that was like at least 10 years ago Wow. wow and I always just keep that in my mind like the house thing that I was talking about, for example, sometimes, yes, I get frustrated that we live in a really tiny house and Ben, my husband is huge and we have a lot of stuff and two dogs and a toddler. And I'm like, I walk out into the garden sometimes and I'm like, I have a roof over my head and I have a lovely family and we live in a great part of England and surrounded by nature. Like how lucky am I? Everything is good. Yeah, exactly. Um, So that's a sort of serious one. And the fun one is when I went to Japan, which reminds me of the PGA Tour that was in Japan last week, I think. um, I completely fell in love with a Japanese toilet. It is the best thing you've ever come across. It plays music to drown out the noise and to sort of maintain your privacy. It it washes you at different temperatures and speeds. It air dries you and it has a heated seat. And I fell so in love with it that when I flew home to America, I immediately put like little attachments on all of my toilets in the house with the dream. And this is like a huge definition of success here that one day I would install my own Japanese toilet in my home. And I am very proud to say that next week is the week that it's happening. Oh I my goodness. A Penny Japanese toilet. A gym. She doesn't need a, a Viking. She just needs a Japanese toilet. Yes. How I do you order it last order? week? Where do you get it's it from? A smart toilet here in the UK. Oh. Uh, you can get it from any bathroom supplier online. It's widely available now. Okay. And uh, mine is just a, getting downstairs. A code. 
Uh, I do not. But if anyone would <laughs> like to contact me and offer me a smart toilet discount discount code, I will gladly we'll share it far and wide. Yes. Uh, so huge success happening in the Koyak household next week. Our Japanese toilet is being installed. That is excellent. What a what a what a positive note to end on as well. <laughs> can can neither confirm nor deny if future podcast episodes will be recorded recorded from my Japanese toilet. From the one. Japanese. All right. Well, we will <laughs> check in next episode. Hear all about full review of the uh, Japanese toilet. Yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, give us a give us a nudge on social. I am at Halle Led. And I'm at Henny Coy, and I really enjoyed your English terminology. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, speak to you guys next time. Bye. Speak to you guys soon.